With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. I do one thing, man. I take data and I find patterns, right? However I can tailor that and use that. People don't realize, I think, how much data is being collected. Like, in your adventures in data, what's the most unusual pattern that you've ever seen that you thought, I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. Well, I mean, this probably doesn't answer your question. I think a little bit more on that. But I always try to break patterns. Always try to break patterns. Like, oh, man, I'm going to this place every Tuesday. I need to stop. I need to go somewhere else. But that's because of your knowledge that everybody is doing things in routine. But that's kind of an interesting, just an exercise in general, like change your routine every day and discover the world. But you know what I find out? I find out that I'm changing that pattern, like every third Thursday. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, I'm like, oh no, it's another pattern. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a pattern individual. You know I mean? So no matter what, you're still like stuck in, in pattern mode. Yeah, I mean, and like, everybody is. Am I rolling? Yeah, I'm rolling. That's part nice. I love it. <laughs> Can we start rolling again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the line between being friendly and being a Yeah, I'm Okay, just kidding. Um, okay, now, now it's my fault. Uh, so happy to have one of my good friends, Eddie Ibanez, on the show. Eddie, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Most people will not know who you are, so I'm going to describe. You <laughs> are a probably the biggest cybersecurity expert slash hacker I know. Uh, I have a technical background myself, but it does not rival yours. You're formally, I will describe it as, uh, how would you describe it? You describe it, what what you formally have done for the government. Uh, you know, we were, uh, I was part of a team that was uh, contracted to help find patterns. And what's, uh, can you say what sort of patterns? Yeah, uh, the patterns were really just to understand uh, behaviors in uh, people who would potentially be a threat to, you know, certain things in the nation. So, like, what would be, if you don't mind, my, my, we, can, we can move on to the next topic. We'll, we'll move on from topic to topic, and it'll all be interesting. But, like, what's a pattern that you programmed up that 
discovered a potential threat to the country? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll scale it back a little bit. Um, there's these things called um, these methamphetamine labs, right? And they and consumption of power is a pretty easy one, right? Someone has a meth lab, right? They open up. How do we crack these things, right? Well, peak power consumption for a certain house and in a certain neighborhood, those things like quadruple when you run in a meth lab all night. And I would think that's I would think that's obvious. Like the utility it, company it would notice that. Well, I mean, and, and swoop in. But it's that's that's why like merging of data right helps because then you can okay cool now I have the uh, data set from this utility company cool and it but my goal the utility company goal is to maximize you know like like uptime and maximize. So they they're happy with the methamphetamine lab. <laughs> they're making more money. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to go out and say that. But I I mean yeah, you're making money. They're not as they didn't care as much. So how does the, how does um, how did you end up with their data? Uh, I mean, a lot of that data on grids, especially, is public, right? So I mean, everything that was done was above board. When you say public, it's not like published in the newspaper, though. Like, how did you get the data? Uh, you know, there's different ways to get data, and uh, we we use one of them. When you say different ways, is that in quotes or Kuwaiti? Uh, that's in quotes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's in quotes. Uh, which 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 brings to mind though, like you you know, all of these companies, utility companies, uh, banks. Google, you know, social media companies, they all have data that's useful for other things than their business model, than their perceived business model. Um, how much does the government have to try to get the data and how much do these companies essentially offer the data when when there are issues or, or potential problems? It, I mean, it's not like, you know, back in the day, there was a whole idea of censorship where like, oh man, big brother, you're thinking back to Orwell, 80, 1984 and stuff like that. There's like, oh, the government's going to tap in. Dude, these days, I mean, you don't even have to be the government to get people's data, right? All, I mean, like we're volunteering it up, like just so I can download and play a game with my friend for free or just because I want to know which celebrity I look the most like, right? I'm offering my, my face, which is my password for some certain devices, right? Just to find out, oh hey, I kind of look like you know, like Brad Pitt, which I do. I'm the Hispanic person, right? <laughs> but um, you know, but like that type of stuff, right? I mean, data's being volunteered up, and uh, you know, the the key thing that I tell my children is like, don't. I mean, they're they're young, right? But I still tell one of them, don't put anything on the internet that isn't that you're okay with, like being public, right? But like people don't realize, like you just said. Uh, it seems neat. Oh, I can unlock my phone with my face. That has a benefit, which is that nobody can steal my phone and see my see my data. But you're giving up a valuable piece of data right there is your face. And because how does that work? It's polygon recognition. Yeah. Right. But the assumption is that the phone company is not going to share that with anybody. Yeah, or the device maker and whatnot. Right. But you're sharing it when you want to find out, like, like you share it with your social, like Facebook owns your face. Yeah. You know what I mean? They own. I mean, yeah, you constantly get messages like, oh, you might have been tagged in a photo because their facial recognition software is doing it. But now how does the government use this to uh, identify threats, for instance? I don't know how they use it. I'm not saying they do, mm -hmm. right? I'm saying if anyone wanted to, if, if, if anything's publicly available, right, which like if you can, if your profile's publicly available and uh, I can search that, I can use that just like I could any other picture for any other type of recognition that I want to save and store. So, so uh, this reminds me, and... I've, I've described this story before to uh, the people in this room, but I got this email the other day, it, like Google must be doing this experimental program and I just randomly got selected. But I got this email the other day from Google where they're an announcing this great new benefit to me. Um, but, it, but, it, but it came across as a little bit creepy. So they, <laughs> they said, it was February 1st and they said, uh, here's an email from Google Maps. 
we thought you might like to reminisce about all the places you've been in January. And they show me a calendar. First off, they show me a map and there's red dots in every single place I've been in January. <laughs> and then they show me a calendar and I click on every single day and like January 2nd, 7, 7 10 a.m. leaves home, goes to Irving Farm Coffee, 400, walks 450 feet, uh, 10, 10 a.m. goes back right. home, 2, 10 p.m. goes to Stand Up New York, 5, 10 p.m. goes. So they, they knew every single location I've been in for the in, every minute. Like there was not a single minute that they missed for the entire month. I checked every day. And there was more in there too, which I'll describe in a second. But they they obviously think this is a benefit and a feature. But my first reaction is, and I think most people's reaction would be, is that's a little creepy. Well, it's, I mean, you volunteered that data up, man. Like somewhere you said like, hey, I like using Google Maps and like, because I need to go to point A to point B. But I don't know, like when I, I think my, I think the normal inclination is, oh, I'm gonna search something on Google Maps. I don't necessarily think that they're just keeping track of that for me. I mean, I guess it's an obvious thing to think, but I don't think that. And then the other thing is they knew what my home was. I only tell Uber that. So Uber and Google must be sharing all the data. Or, or they're saying, hey, this guy goes here and his time zone is EST and he's here from 10 to 5 a.m. And the, you know, like over 80% of nights or 60% of nights. So we're going to guess that that's home. Ah, I see. And, uh, then the other thing they did was, which was also creepy, but in a different way is they told, told me other pieces of interesting data, like, oh, you've walked 10 miles in the month of January. And I was saying this actually on front of a stage and I was acting like, you know, not that I'm bragging too much that I walk so much, <laughs> but then when I broke it down, 10 miles for the month of January. It's like I walked only 300 feet a day. <laughs> you know, like I'm basically a lazy sack of shit, you know, and and that's what Google was telling me. And it's almost In like- nicer terms. <laughs> it's almost nicer like- Nicer keywords, they told you that. It's almost like they were going to bribe me. Like, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't send us $1,000, we're going to put this on the front page of Google, or we're going to email this to all your friends. Um, but, but yeah, all our, people don't realize, I think, how much data is being collected. Like, in your adventures in data- What's sort of the odder pieces of data you've seen collected about people? Uh, odder pieces of data that I've seen collected about people. I mean, like, uh, I, we kind of joked about this earlier at lunch. Like, there was a, uh, when we were doing a marketing campaign for a company, uh, and it was an email send, right? There was a, it was a male product, right? And, and so we were tardy men. And, like, in their time zones, right, there's something like around, like, it was like 3.30, it like, to 3.45 to 4 right? That like, there's a clear segment that it just would open, right? The response rate, right? And they open and they would stay on it for a while, right? And the clicks rates were great. And then, um, uh, we you know, we, then we sent out a survey, right? To see, see what's going on. And like, you know, some guys lied, but like, I guess it's, I, I don't know if this is true, like, but for that area, right? I mean, that's when guys went to the restroom. Between 3.30 and 3.45 yeah, and they're yeah. taking their phone and they're on the toilet yeah. and they're looking and they're responding to, yeah, yeah they're, they're opening up clothes, and they're or, responding to the product, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that, that, so that's interesting. And you know, um, we were talking about uh, another time how to hack a home and you could determine if someone's cheating. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I just want to throw this at you. Uh, this is not a computer hacking technique, but here's how I can tell in a large location if people are cheating. So let's say you're in Grand Central, um, the big train station in New York City. If, if it's 5 p.m. and I see two people kissing, but then going to different trains, I assume they're cheating. Because otherwise, <laughs> because they've, they've left work and they're on their way home, 
but they're kissing romantically, then why are they going home on separate trains? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, they could be dating. They could be dating, but then why not go on a date? Or why, you know, yeah. like, why not, oh, can I, uh, whose house are we sleeping over tonight if they're <laughs> kind of at that romantic level? So anyway, that's my, but, but, but for, let's say now we're going deeper. If you were to basically hack a home, A, what does that mean? Like, can you, is there thing, is there ways to hack Alexa? Would you hack a, a laundry machine? Would you hack Nest? Would you hack, you know, the, the thermometer? Would you hack a coffee maker? Yeah, and like it goes back. I'd always hack the, the like their router, right? Uh, see their packet streams, what's going through. So just to explain, the router. Like when, when, if I if I'm watching a streaming video on my TV screen, it's getting the internet, not straight from the internet, but there's uh, something in between the internet and the TV or the computer, which is called a router. Every home has a router right. in it, like in that little closet where all the buttons are. Yeah, you don't it, look at until unless it breaks. Like Verizon down. installs it. You're just like, thank God they installed it, right. and you forget about it. Right. And so why is a router hackable as opposed to some of these other things? Because a lot of them are standard, right? Uh, a lot of people don't update them. Right or like puts what like put out, look at how much security you put on a cellular device, right? Or like your computer, how much security is on your router? You just trust someone, right? But all your information is being flowed through it, right? Every, every single every, everything all I'm your doing, emails, all my email, like all my packets are going through that one little piece of plastic metal and silicon. And there are are there standard ways to a figure out what's the router for X Y Z house, and then reassembling those packets uh, into with the advent of now like like you said like time warner and these people yeah because they like to buy standardized equipment right it was actually a little bit harder when you know you're buying your own you had to set up your own like you're buying your own linksys you go to best buy i mean but now like it, they're becoming pretty standard right and that's kind of like part of the issue is this technology is standard right like most of the companies out there are like are on cisco and whatnot right so if you think about it if everything's standard and there's one hole Right, and it's not a hole for everyone, right? But if there's a hole and like, and you know they haven't updated it, their router in forever, uh, then yeah, you can get in. And and how would you get in? Well, there's a few different methods, um, but let's just say, I, let's just say I was able to uh, expose a um, expose something that let me into their router, right? And then I'm getting the packet streams, and then to find out if someone's cheating. Right, and to get in there and see that, right? Think about, uh, I mean, do you do you have one of these like home alarm systems? No, no, but I, I imagine a lot of people do, right? Yeah. And what's cool about that type of stuff is think of think of what you're giving up just to secure your home, right? I'm giving up how often I go in my living room, right, with the sensors, right? I'm giving up uh, when I come in, when I come out, when my garage door opens, when my garage door closes. So the living room one is because when I go in the living room, I might change the temperature. Yeah, you may no. The sensor hits right because mm. the sensor is like a. I mean that that thing knows when you're in the room, right? Because it's alarms on, right? So it knows that type of stuff, right? So let's say, um, uh, let's say I never go into, uh, I don't know, like let's say my, you know, let's say the map pattern. Like let's think of someone's map. Like they know your home because you're here, right? Let's say they're they, and they know when you're at work too, right? Because there's another place I go to from like nine to five, right? So let's say on a frequency I'm coming home. Right, and then so garage door opens at like I don't know, I'm making this up, James. Right, but like garage door opens at noon or like twelve fifteen or one fifteen. Right, comes in. Right, and then like uh, let's say immediately bedroom gets used. Right, right bedroom gets used thirty thirty five minutes. Right, 
and I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm using this example to like make a picture in people's minds, right? And then immediately leaves garage, like, you know, garage door opens back up, out. Could be grabbing stuff because you just be picking something up, right? Uh, and that happens in a repeated pattern, right? And then, you, you know, we're people, we're creatures of habit, right? So if you're doing, when you find nefarious individuals, when they find, when they find a way in a pattern that has worked, they'll usually stick to that. When they find a way in, they usually keep going that way. And they usually don't randomize the way in. Oh, this is safe. I'm going to keep doing this, right? So you think of that. If you're, I'm not saying that cheating is nefarious. It's your own moral obligation or anything like that, right? Um, so that's one way. And, and so in that case, are you more interested in getting access to the data of the home security company or going directly into home security, hacking the home? Home security company, right? If like... I don't know if you remember, like if you bought those cheap, I'm not knocking Chinese, everything's Chinese, right? The, the, these days, right? But you buy these cheap Chinese cameras, right? They had, they left a port open, right? And then if uh, that l port leads me access to hit it, right? So they left the port open. Anyone who had this cheap Chinese camera, right? You could like view their camera. So so just to just to describe, so basically every device on the internet you could think of as a list of ports and computers talk to each other through the internet, one port talking to another. So so the web, HTTP, that's like one computer talking to port 80 of another computer. SMTP had its own port. And like, let's say back in the 90s, IP everything port, was yeah. open. Yeah. Nobody was secure. But now everything's pretty secure. It is. But you're saying like, for instance, every you're trying now and to then save a buck, right? You're trying to save a buck and like, I want, oh man, I'm gonna save a hundred bucks on that camera. I'm gonna buy it on Alipay or something like that. But then, how would you know who? How would you know whose camera was who? Like, or would you just you necessarily scan? wouldn't? But like, if I knew, well, I mean, you kind of would because you'd have to have their IP address, right? If I had your IP and the port of that right. camera, though, not of the home, correct? Right. So, correct. You, well, could you just you could you would know the block of IP addresses for let's say all the cameras, and so you could scan down all the cameras as an example. You could. It's not an easy job. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's why a lot of these things, uh, when you're uh, are best to be just be done like sometimes the old school way, right? You go in, you leave a trace, you get out, and then you just make sure like the batteries. The, the hardest thing is to make sure the batteries and those things are get updated. Oh, what do you mean? You go in, leave leave a trace. Uh, you go in and leave a device. Oh man, I'm talking about something else. Uh, like you know, like if I if you were you would go in and leave a device uh, that like let's say let's say if you were gonna bug a room. Right. Yeah. You'd go in and you'd leave a bug in there, right? And the hardest thing about like leaving a bug, right, is them finding it or switching the batteries out. That's like the yeah. biggest problem. Yeah. And so I'm um curious what led to the story of like I'm thinking about <laughs> something different. We won't go down there. Um so what's uh, what's what's other what's other things that you've been involved in where there were results from you doing things with data? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, in like nerdy ways, right? Some of the things we've uh, been able to do. Um, well, we've helped frequent flyer programs grow. And that's really just, and that's, that stuff's awesome because you're giving the right, you're taking the right product and finding the right person and most times giving them the right price for that product, right? So that's cool because then you're kind of like helping the business, but you're helping an individual who wants to consume and you're just kind of matching. Because you, cause you're using, what are you, what are you saying? You're saying, this person at this time is likely to respond to this offer using frequent flyers. 
Right. So, or, or, or like, hey, people in, so uh, people who work, I and mean, we kind of talked about this, so I'm going to keep on it. People who work in at a certain company or there are a certain level of a certain company in a certain uh, area code. So let's say people in, I don't know, like Las Vegas, it's probably a bad example. People in Las Vegas who are at a VP level uh, tend to fly a lot, right? Those are the people you want to hit for business class. And they would, business class, you, you get more rewards and points. You get to skip the line, all that type of stuff. So to get them in the program's free. Right, so hit them and market them so that way they know, hey, you're missing out on all these benefits. And how would you find the data of this list of Las Vegas high rollers? Uh, you could, anything that's publicly available. First, I would understand from the current data I have, hey, it seems like this segment is real, like something about Vegas business people, right? Uh, and then hit what's publicly available. Like uh, there's like business is kind of easy because when you give your stuff to corporate exchange, somehow it gets out, right? Through Spokio or if you've left a... Uh, a, like your name on a PR article, you know, like you know, James Aldrich, VP of X, right? Contact information. But how would you know I was in Las Vegas at some point? Uh, I'd map back. Like, I was so use LinkedIn for Sam. Like, oh, cool. He works for X, which is headquartered in Vegas. It's yeah. a, you wouldn't know. Some a lot of cases, eighty percent is what you need to know. Uh, he's got an eighty percent shot to be a match. So so. Um... Oh, can we talk about the sabermetric stuff? Oh, sure. Yeah, so, so, kind of, you have a Super Bowl ring, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you and, have it on you? No, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, but we, we, that's just fun, man. I love helping. So, like football, like so. We talk about this favorite. is like your passion project. Yeah, this, you don't even like. No, you do this it. for fun. Yeah, we do this one for fun, right? And in football, it's much different sports than baseball, right? Because in baseball, you have a one-to-one -one relationship with the pitcher and a, and a hitter, right? And that relationship counts. And what else counts is my on-base percentage. But this one little relationship we have right here gets me on base. Now I need another good relationship, right? And then I push, right? And then push all the way till they get to home, right? So that's why that on-base thing counts. Football, man. I have like 11 guys against another 11 guys, right? Then I'm not just hitting. I have other means of execution, right? I can pass. I can run. I can sneak. Uh, and so there's a, it's a lot. Different. Also, you can play a huge defensive game. Yeah. And just yeah. And forget about it. That's offense. on the other side, right? Yeah. I'm just talking offense, right? Yeah. And defense. And then it, there's different matchups, right? So if this guy's faster than me, right? Does that, does that mean how much separation am I going to get from him? So, uh, so what we've been trying to do is we've really been calculating two things, right? One, how much is a player worth and what's the optimal team? If you could choose like all different sizes, right? Uh, what's an optimal team? And then once you have the optimal team, what's the optimal group of people? And if you think about the old finance things, it's just, I'm trying to cluster, like if you think of stocks and creating a portfolio, I'm creating a portfolio of players and I'm just trying to say, hey, who gives me the best risk adjusted return to win, right? Now you're gonna have some stocks, right? Who are like big bets and if they win, you win big. But then, but you may you have a higher chance of losing. Or so you look for expected value, like yeah, in the stock sense. Exactly right, and you want to be in that that mid mid to high range, mm -hmm. right? Still safe, and then that could be a collection of like this wide receiver, this quarterback, this running back, this defensive end. This is the this is a, a good cluster where we think we could win, and then that changes by the team I I face too. That cluster may change, and then um, so given that you already given that a team has already picked their players. Right, and you're working with the players they have, given the team and the lineup that the team is putting against and that they're playing against, you can you use software or your particular software Math, yeah. to figure out what's the highest 
risk risk adjusted return that you could put out on the field. Right. So exactly. But then, yes. But then there's another facet of fatigue that really happens in football, right? With exertion. So then I have to, that bundle of players changes live based off also their fatigue, right? So this, uh, so they have these RFID chips, right? It's provided by Zebra Technologies. And then- um, They put them on the shoulders yeah, and the helmet? Them, yeah, uh, they put them on the shoulders, right? I, I don't know about the helmet. Uh, and then I believe they do, right? And I think this past year, there may have been one on the ball. And then you can track where they go and where they move and how much they've exerted, right? So if, like, think about like, I'll put myself on the spot, right? If I run like 15 yards straight, I'm not as good in performance if you just got me like warm, just not running around because I'm like, <gasps> mm-hmm. right? I'm gonna be tired, right? Same thing with an athlete, right? They run 80 yards, right, straight, and have gotten two hits. They may have, they may be a little more tired, may have more fatigue, right? I walk up the stairs, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, right? So then, and and then like football's cool because uh, like it's just starting to change. But like if you think about baseball, like what's one of the most important uh, positions in baseball? Right, pitcher, right? Yeah. They switch out pitchers based off different things, right? In football, you never, you don't really switch out the quarterback. But if you had a quarterback who's always converting on third down, even if he's not your starter, right? I mean, I like, I mean, that's one interesting play. I mean, look, I'm not a, I'm not the football guru, but I'm just looking at math, and math would say, right, for certain teams that you may want to just alternate quarterbacks given scenarios. Quarterbacks like in, in between, like a series in between. What do you call it? Like when you're going from First down to fourth down, like one. That's a down. Yeah, one set of downs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you might uh, switch out quarterbacks. Yeah, mid play, mid set of downs. Yeah, mid down. Yeah. Um, what's another type of play? You might get a, a wide receiver out if a new, if a new defensive person is up against him, and you see that this guy's fatigued. Yeah, or you may call a different play, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know, like, and that's another variable, like of where you're at on, on the field, given what time, like what the score is, uh, given the weather. Given what how much time's left in the game, so let's say let's say it's fourth down, and fourth down you should go for it. You always not let's say you're twenty yards away. Like over seventy three percent of the time it wins, right? And that's better than a coin toss. And then can you call given certain scenarios? Can you call one play versus another? Let's say you're fourth and five. Where you where five am I yards. on the field? Hmm? Where am I on the field? Twenty yards. Twenty. Um, uh, uh, all right. So I'm posing twenty. And you're going for the touchdown. Going for the touchdown. Yeah. Uh, it depends on my team, my stack, right? But uh, like, if I were to take team stacks away, if you just look at the high level summary, right, you should go for it. And uh, so, okay, you did this for. Can you say the team? Uh, w- right now, we are working with a a different team, right, which is the uh, Miami Dolphins. All right, but a prior team has won the Super Bowl. Yes, and gave you a ring to yes. con- uh, honor you for your efforts. Um, Correct. And and it seems like there's a business there where so many people are into like fantasy football teams. You could help people make, you could be a service where you could help people make very contradictory or unobvious picks for their fantasy football teams. People would want to subscribe to that service. Absolutely. I mean, I want to do it for real football teams too, right? But uh, yeah, I think people could pay. This is just really about winning, man. And and what about, um, I know, because for you as a passion project, um, I want to riff on all the business plans. (laughs) Uh, You can also do a... um, uh, what do you call the uh, booking service? So you can basically, if if the Las Vegas book is saying uh, these guys are going to win over, you know, six to five chance, that's the line, that's the betting line. Right. You could say you can actually look for arbitrages. Actually, 
given that this is the weather and given that these are the lineups of the two teams starting, um, it's really more like, you know, seven to four. What I would find, you're right. And what I find interesting is more like, I would rather give people the opportunity to bet by down. Mm. Right? But you can do that right in Las Vegas. Oh, can you? I, I, I don't know. So. I don't bet. I don't know either for sure, but Steve, can you bet by down? Yeah, betting is legalized a month from now. Yeah, it's legal. You can oh. do all sorts of prop bets. Oh, so you can so you can bet like, hey, he's gonna pass it. Yeah, they have a million different kinds of prop bets at the Super okay. Bowl. You can do that. Uh, this quarterback's gonna throw a hundred yards. I'm saying, yeah, who'd be the MVP? There's a million bets like that, but yes. Oh, that's awesome. So MVPs for the game is an interesting one. If you can bet on that, because you know in the beginning of every game that they're going to who, who throw. the highest risk-adjusted return player is. Well, that or, or you know who they're opposing to. You know they're going to pass more, right? And who are they going to pass to, right? Uh, they're, Edelman's pro, it's Edelman or Gronk, right? And then, um, yeah, you're going to, yeah. That one's, that one's probably easy. Degenerates are out there. Because there, also there are hedge funds that do horse betting based on similar type of things, but then it's just... The, the 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 factors are just who's the horse who are all the who are all the horses who's the jockey and what are the conditions of the track so it's not that many factors but football like you say there's many more complicated factors it seems like you could set up a hedge fund based on just this style of betting yeah if that market's out there i didn't know so could, can you even bet on by pitch like is this gonna be a strike this is gonna be a hit oh wow again Probably. I mean, I mean, man. I've seen the board. That'd I don't be know, awesome. I don't know sports, but I've seen the board for football, and it's like amazing the number of possible bets you can make on every play. Because I would like to, I think it'd be cool if I could say, if I'm watching a baseball game, right? Because, I mean, there's a lot of baseball games, right? so I don't watch as many of them. But I would, I would love to say, like, all right, cool, I'm going to put a bet out there. I'm going to bet 20 bucks that um, this he's going to strike. This could be a strike. And I'd love for someone to just take that bet in real time. Yeah, and you're talking tough one right because the players can control it more readily right strategically but he'll know he can bet strategic the thing is using the data he knows when strategically they're going to make that decision right, right. so so but what's i think more, it'd be fun what's more interesting to me though you're look you're talking at just straight 50 50 like the line being 50 50 right. but you can also arb when you're likely to lose but the bet is still good and if you're making like hundreds of bets like that even if you're likely to yeah, lose you can come the, up yeah, if, if the odds are against you, but you know that the 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 actual line in Vegas is different than your odds, you could bet you could arbitrage, you could bet against the line in Vegas, and and overall over hundreds or thousands of bets, you'll come out a winner. Yeah. So I mean that's basically how like stock market. That's yeah, it's pretty much like puts right. That's, that's that's hedging. Yeah, that's how if you were doing data, what's the what are what are the options that are most mispriced compared to what Wall Street thinks the value should be? So. Um, all this. Oh, so, what other things are happening? What's the country doing with data right now? Uh, it feels like the country's making apps with data. <laughs> right. That's what I feel like the country's doing. What do you, What do you mean? Everybody. I mean, I feel like as as a country, we're just uh, look. I like physics, man, and I feel like in nineteen in the nineteen thirties, the best and brightest minds were solving like like. Physics problems, and and now they're making flashlights that yeah. Now, now, the now the best, now they're making apps. You know what I mean? It's, um, not to say that that's not cool, but like what what kind of apps is the government making? Like a flashlight app and and pretending to be a company and then getting popular on iTunes? No, I think the government's. I think the government's just serving the people correctly, and they're just creating apps to make the DMV better and stuff like that. What do you mean to make what better? DMV stuff like that. The government's just helping out, and so. How do you think, like, like you know, all the data that, or, or all the all the news that suggests that 
the Russians maybe manipulated data. Uh, we had a podcast recently um, about how Russians manipulated data on Facebook. Do you think the U.S. is getting a little bit more aggressive in other countries doing what other countries might have done to us? Um, I wouldn't, I don't know, but I would say that it's probably turning more, uh, in, instead of defensive, right? I bet they're getting more offensive. How would we get a, a more offensive? Uh, I mean, there's so you can say pass if you if you. If no, you no, don't no, want. no. I mean, like, uh, there's. I mean, like, a lot of people have been talking about electrical grids, uh-huh. right? A lot of people have been. I mean, look, that's the way war sh- should go. If it's like no killing, no mass genocides, just hack each other, right? So, I mean, that could cause way more distress. Like, if you pull down like Wall Street for a day or something like that, right? And and but those are like Wall Street. I feel is a case where security. Like every bank, every exchange. Yeah, those guys are safe. Yeah. Out the wazoo. But like electric grids in other countries, like third world countries. May not be. Right. Because <laughs> they still might have all their all the same weaknesses that were around in the 90s. Or 70s. Yeah. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests? And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? Well, with almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise dedicated to shaping brighter futures for both students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and their proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. 
In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use HIMS from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. You know, like what's, what's crazy, the computer system isn't, this is an interesting fact I learned the other day. You know, the body of an airplane is like 80 years lifetime or something like that. I, yeah, know, that, I had no idea. How many, how many, how old are most airplanes? I don't know. I mean, the, I'm like, you're telling me the life, I was talking to a pilot, I'm walking on, I'm like, oh man, cool hell is He's like, oh man, these things are lifetime, 70, 80 years. I'm like, that's not cool. <laughs> I mean, maybe well, it's cool. It, he was saying it was cool, like, oh, it lasts forever. I'm like, I mean, I, wonder, I mean, they refab those things. It's probably not but like, bridges, though. I think the lifetime of a bridge is like fifty or sixty years, and most of them are now seventy years old. So bridges are in trouble. So if you think of this, I, I, like that's infrastructure, right? That, and I've I've heard also like water pipes that are underground. Like I guess yeah. those things haven't been touched in a long time. Yeah. So what uh, what other stuff do you personally like to use big data for? Like, so football is a fascinating one. And it's interesting that that was sort of wide open. So the level of, comp so what's a couple of factors there. Baseball has been used for, let's say 20 years. Right. But uh, the, the data, because the factors are smaller. Like you say, there's a pitcher, there's a hitter. Uh, the on-base percentage. Yeah, on-base percentage. Um, but football, a lot more, like maybe 10x it's the a, complexity. It's a team sport. Mm. Like, I mean, baseball is a team sport, but football is like a team, like play-by-play -play sport. And what other, what other 
areas interest you in terms of using data that are unobvious to people? Uh, I think uh, oceanic data, right? So uh, we've helped out a, a great uh, company called OSearch. And uh, they, I mean, if you've seen Shark Week, right? Speaking of sharks that we were talking about earlier. So, uh, you know, Chris and those guys, they tag the sharks, right? They're, the, they're that big boat that goes out and tags them, right? And we've helped them in developing their shark tracker. And then so if you go to osearch.org, you can track these sharks and ping, right? We've helped them when we developed that. Uh, and it, that's fun because like you get a ton of data back. You get like uh, depths, right? You get the oxygen levels. There's so much like, and I look, do I know what it's used for? No, but what's interesting, what I, what I like about it is like, I don't really know a lot about, like when I talk to oceanic experts, I mean, they tell, like they all say the same thing, but it's never really like deep, deep, deep. Like, I mean, I feel like there isn't, uh, as, as to the future of the ocean. Like they tell me all about it now, but like as to the future of the ocean, like, oh, well, who knows, climate change. I'm like, it's always like a high level answer. And then, so I'm just wondering, like, you know, we have this race to the moon and like life on Mars and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I go a little more old school Jacques Cousteau and like, what about life under water? And you think, you think what, what, are you, what are you thinking? I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, I really want to understand what's down there and seeing if this data can, like, you know, the first FCC is this data you can track, like, tuna patterns and stuff like that because, like, you know, sharks go over to eat and, like, can, like, like, help, like, understand, like, uh, how much fish we'll have and stuff like, like that, the basics, right? But uh, I don't know. I just wonder if there's a way to live down there that's easier to adapt than we may think, like, than living in a bubble. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Um, what about, let's say, uh, you know, natural resources like gold or oil. Um, in what ways do you think data, obviously data is being used to identify spots where there might be some natural resource, but do you think people aren't using it as well as they could or it could be better? Uh, I think it could be better. I think when it comes to energy, right, I think that goes back to like, you know, the 1930s when people were like worried about that a lot. And like, I think, and I think they still are. Uh, you can understand consumption patterns and like where to distribute and how to find them. They use data a lot to understand like where, where like, you know, geothermal stuff, like understand like where to put the drill and stuff like that. I think understanding more on a molecular level, uh, gravity. What right? do you mean? So, I mean, look, yeah, this, look at that. There's energy holding this damn table, right? There's energy holding that light thing, right? There's energy holding this stuff together, right? If you think about an atom, right, what do I have? I have things spinning, right? If I could just take the force of that thing spinning, right, and the, its multiplying effect, right, I think there may be something there. And like, I don't know enough, right? I and I've been researching this on the side, like how to harness this. You need like these super magnets to harness like that type of energy. But if you think of the splitting of the atom, you've heard of that? Yeah. Right? Compress the atom, splits, and it makes this like exothermic reaction, which like is... Awesome energy, right? But it's also very nasty because it's inefficient, right? <laughs> right? But like that same, like what if I just like cool it off a little bit, right? And then you have a cold fusion talk. But what if, if I was just to understand the pattern, right? And the data and like how to take this uh, energy, which I think is gravity, that's holding, that's moving these subatomic particles together, right? That there's, there might be enough energy that's holding this table together to like light up a street. Is it is it gravity though at that level? I don't know. I don't know. 
I think it's like there's they, that. They say charge. So there's a guy named Paul Dirac, right? Yeah. yeah Paul Dirac was a man. And uh, he's, like I said, I always go back to 1933 because that's when he won the Nobel Prize, right? I love that dude, right? Uh, him, he shared it with this guy named Schrodinger. And then um, he came up with, uh, you know, like, like this theory of antimatter. Right, which you know they play around in the movies that Star Trek yeah. movie antimatter kills everything, right? But like there's these charges and these effects, right? And that's what really is moving stuff: charge and effect, charge and effect. But like, I mean, look at like, I just think of like in a simplistic level, right? You take those two butt ends of a magnet, and you know, what I mean, they don't. There's something there, right? Now there's a magnetic bond. That's why I think it goes back to magnets, and that's what keeps some. There's some thing that keeps us at the center of our little universe. I think it all deals with its gravity and I just don't I don't have the data to understand it. How would you get data for that? Man, dude, if you if you could answer that, dude, like I'd run with you. So so given your background, you've done so many things, things that we haven't even talked about on this podcast with with data on every level from personal to professional to countrywide. Right. Um how would someone kind of this 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 seems like a valuable area to get comfortable with, both as a user, a consumer, and even a, for a career. Like, how would someone kind of go about training themselves to become a data expert? Oh, sure. Because you can't learn it in school. Because they're they're already behind. So in school, if, I mean, like, man, everything's online these days, right? I'd go ahead and find some. Like we talked about, uh, I'd find something I'm passionate in that's data related, right? So whether it's stocks, gambling, something, get something. And that's gonna hook your time, right? So once my time's hooked, then I would go ahead and like MIT has a great open courseware that I just, I mean I just look at that stuff for fun, dude. That's it's just awesome, right? There's basic elements of math you want to learn, but if you're just data crunching in the beginning, right? Um, like start out with like some start out with some project you have and find out how the data is formatted, right? And then go research that database. And then learn about it, like, and then like just play with it, like query a bit, and like, hey, this is how I return this. Is I return this? So, so like for instance, there's all this data from all these sources, and let's say you're trying to find back to to the beginning of what you said, you're trying to find a criminal or someone who's potentially a criminal or someone who's potentially yep. a terrorist or some other kind of threat. How would you start thinking about what data do I need, and then how do I put it together in such a way that I find something? statistically significant enough where I could point a finger and I say, there's something no good happening here? It's a good question because uh, there's two, people do it two ways. One, they take all the data and then they boil it to try to find the pattern, right? I always tell people, create the model as if you had perfect data, right? And then, because that gets you to think about like what's out there and then the math involved of like, okay, all right, so what do we have? If I understood, uh, I needed a, I need a little bit of data to understand like all right cool what's a pattern right but then all right people who probably are nefarious activity they may move around a lot they may switch their phones a lot right so I may see a ton of different phone numbers turning right okay cool I do that then all right now what else do I need like so I take that I need location right to understand if they're moving a lot are they in places that we deem bad right okay cool got geolocation or are they moving from good to bad yeah or good to bad right or, or you know like the best ones move from good to good right <laughs> right you just don't know it uh understanding that pattern and then taking that and then seeing if who they're calling right like are they calling other people in certain frequencies like uh or are they like are there or if they're if you're trying to fake something you're not really putting that much into it. you're making a call and hanging up that type of stuff so, so doesn't the like agencies like the NSA already do that? So they're already tracking yeah, like yeah, yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah imagine, data imagine trees. they do everything. 
That's what I do, right? Mm -hmm. But if you got nothing to hide, then it doesn't matter. That's what people always say. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think like that's if true. I have nothing to hide, I still am I do I any need to be worried about like, you know, Google or Facebook or the government kind of still taking advantage of the information somehow to, to manipulate my opinion or uh influence my buying habits. I think I think you always need to be worried about that, right? You need like you need to be your own data police. Do you think do you think um Google might be more in cahoots with the government than we think? No. Like they're like the government has to make a request and then Google decides whether or not to abide by that request. Uh, I, I, by law, they have to on certain requests. By law, okay. I'll, say, I'll, I'll put that in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> by law, they have to. And uh, what, uh, you know what? Someone told me this, and I don't know if it's true. Just find out. I don't know if it's true. Uh, maybe research if you care. I'd love to know. Uh, who were some of the big funders in the early days of Google? And then where those guys got their money from? Well, you look at like a, uh, the CIA's um, venture arm, InQtel. They funded Palantir. How much does Pal and Palantir, of course, their biggest clients are banks, but they're funded by and they look at all the bank transactions to see who might be interesting. All the money. Yeah. So 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 how much does the government kind of check out bank transactions to see what funny things could be happening? Uh, yeah. That, that's I'd follow the money. I but I think this uh whatever if anything's done, it's probably I always think it's been done in the best interest of the people. Yeah. But then let's let's look at the reverse. Obviously, every corporation in America is being attacked. How much do you think we're infiltrated by bad actors in this operation? All time. Like All let, time. let's say the average company, like Procter and Gamble. Would you say there's like bot armies infested in in every computer? On I would Procter say there are people attacking them for sure, constantly, constantly, all day, and they know it too. And and how much? Like, what would you do? Like, well, you would do what? If you were trying to hack into a Procter and Gamble, what would you do? I'd just take their data. You know what I mean? I just do a a, a swipe, and just, how would you do that? Uh, I, you know, there's probably, there's a lot you can learn off of what they give out on their website, like, oh, really? like a ton of stuff, right? I mean, hey, look, anything you search for on your website that you see is information that's being passed through you, right? And it, if your sign-in password, cool, it's encrypted. Not everybody can see that response. Right, but anything that's out there that's public, like think about your Facebook account, right? If I can search for it and look at it publicly, dude, the world's got it. Eddie can scrape it. Eddie probably already has it. So, given that, like, here's another idea for you: you should set up a hedge fund where you, you, given someone's Facebook, someone's degree, someone's grades, you could place bets on their future income. Meaning, you could exchange with them. You could say to them, "Hey, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars now. You have zero in the bank. I'll pay off all your student loans." If I have ten percent of all your future income, yeah, you can that, make bets that, like that. that and you could use great bet. You could use statistics and AI to, to understand, like, hey, cool, art history major. Uh, all right, uh, I don't know, someone going to dental school from this. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can look at their Facebook. Like, this is the type of Facebook. Yeah, and you'd also understand, like, maybe like that graduating school. Like, I, I, there's like South Dakota when they were having that shell boom. I guess those kids were making like a buck fifty coming out of school just because there was so much demand right there. Right, right? there's a different market. So, so it's interesting. Like, I, I would every, bet on kids for sure. Yeah, that's it, that, and I think the football hedge fund betting, and I think uh, a service where you give people like fantasy football picks. Yeah. You know, given their teams or the teams in their league or whatever, 
it seems like there's so many businesses that are like out there now that one can start using using data, N not and and ethical ones, not the other stuff like. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, not yeah. just the hacking kind of stuff. I, you know what? I would almost take bets on like I mean like cybersecurity insurance is probably something I'd like to offer. Oh uh, yeah, what's that? Tell me. Uh, it's, I mean like hey cool let's say you had a product or something like that or i can even just guess on you if you get hacked we'll insure you up to this but then uh does that give me any incentive to be less careful about my security i don't know are you any less incentive in your accident insurance no but that affects my physical health yeah i mean this affects your credit score right? yeah Which, yeah you're right you know what i mean yeah uh, that's an interesting one what other kinds of insurance insurance is great because just math you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I'm like, there's no hard asset except money. So like, if you have a group, like if I know nine, like I like, if I know that I'm going to bet like your your life, you know what I mean? Life insurance is awesome. Oh, well, you know what? You know what? Here's an idea. Tell me. Given that you know so much about the football stats for each team, and given football teams make estimates on how much they're going to fill stadiums and sell advertising against their shows, obviously the better the team does the more likely they are to fill out stadiums and sell advertising and, and charge higher for the advertising. You could sell football teams insurance based on their estimates versus your estimates of how much money they're going to make based on how well they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of, it's funny, a lot of those teams sell out. No matter what. Yeah. I mean, even if they're not full, like the tickets are sold. But I wonder about the advertising too. Yeah, that's and true. And merchandise, stuff like that. Well, I'm mean, kind of thinking about like we we're talking about like kids like that too, right? Like if you're coming out of a law degree and you think you're to make a buck eighty, right? You could take out insurance, right? And uh, we have a product and it's EIC, and then uh, you, you take a bet, like no, you don't. Want, I think I'm going to cover you from that you're going to make one sixty, but you come out and like let's say your job market sucks or you can't find a job and you end up making eighty, you know, we cover the spread. How much do you charge for that? Uh, it's a premium that's built in. I, I believe it's roughly like five percent of the overall. So like 5% of- Yeah, but it gets wrapped into your loan. I see. It gets wrapped into your student loan. Uh, that, that's interesting. So you're in that business right now. What other kinds of, you do lots of things. So what other kinds of business? No, I, I do one thing, man. I take data and I find patterns, right? However, however I can tailor that and use that, yeah, uh, we try to. So well, f final thing, what's the most unusual pattern that you've ever seen that you thought, I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Or what's the what's the most unusual type of pattern you you did not see coming? Well, I mean, I don't know. This probably doesn't answer your question. I think a little bit more on that. But I always try to break patterns. Always try to break patterns. Like, oh man, I uh, I'm going to this place every Tuesday. I need to stop. I need to go. I need to go somewhere else. But that's because of your knowledge of of that everybody is doing things in right. a routine. But then, what? but that's kind of an interesting way of just an exercise in general, like change your routine every day and discover the world. But you know what I find out? I find out that I'm changing that pattern like every third Thursday. Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, I'm like, oh no, it's another pattern. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a pattern individual. You right, know see, I mean? <laughs> so no matter what, you're still like stuck in, in pattern mode. Yeah, I mean, and like, everybody uh, is. Yeah, and then look, you think about the rabbit hole and you just get like schizophrenic after a little while. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what what else? What else have you discovered? Like you obviously, uh, football is your passion. What if your What if elections were your passion? If elections were my passion, what if I, I wanted to win for Congress? What What should I do? Uh, be a good, <laughs> be a good politician, right? Um, but that but that's rare. 
Okay, sure. If you wanted to, let's say, if you wanted not to win Congress, you wanted to manipulate or something like that, like Manchurian candidate style, you'd probably go ahead and understand which demographic you need to hit, which you already don't have under control, right? So who you need to make off the spread. Once you get that information, right, and you just look at the demographic, luckily you're bound by who you're, is allowed to vote for you, right, given that election. So now I take that and find those people on the net who are giving up publicly public information, right? So people within the you know lat longs of this certain polygon of area in which constituents can vote for you. And after that, I'd go ahead and hit their public profiles, public profiles that are close or similar to those types of people. And, and you know, you could say like, hey, let's say in like, I don't know, you live close to the Gulf or something like that. And you wanted to, uh, a lot of people like, let's say a big segment of users, um, that you found like, like Blackfish, Love SeaWorld, um, subscribe to Animal Planet or something like that, right? And it's in their likes and their public profiles, like, oh, I like this. These are my favorite movies, like, I don't know, some Free Willy and all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, you and that was a big enough group or cluster to switch a vote, you know what I mean? And they, you know, they may not agree with some of your other policies, but then you'd market them, right? Uh, versus a lot of the uh, advertising uh, platforms that are out there and advertisement that's kind of like, oh, hey, I'm all about, I'm saving the ocean. And here's my- You just bombard them with like, I'm the save the ocean candidate. Yeah. And no one else is seeing that. Yeah, no one else is doing that, right? Well, I'm, I'm not going to say that's what I would do, but like, and you make that boilerplate so you can flow out the words and stuff like that. So like the same thing, ocean could be like the same email that goes out. It could be like, I don't know, like save rabbits and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like the same like- James. Lower taxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, everybody does that one. But I'm like more on a personalized level because then what you're doing is is you're hooking them and the right word used is manipulating uh, people to um, uh, believe in that, right? That's what I would do. So, Eddie Ibanez, I would not want to bet against you on pretty much anything. If you were going to place a bet, chances are I want to be betting on the same side. If you do start a hedge fund, I'm investing in it. Thanks. Uh, are you allowed to say what football team you're working for? Yeah, Miami Dolphins. So next season? Yes. Uh, or next year or whatever. Yep. Um, and you're already working with them now? Uh, yeah. So they're giving you all the data, all the data from the sensors, from their players? Do they give you like previous data? Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're helping them out. Uh, they're giving us data and what they have, and then we're just trying to find patterns in it. And then are you looking for help, help them with the draft too? Or um, trades? Yeah, I would say that a team building is a is is one of the objectives. Yeah. All right, excellent, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> this is so interesting, all the different things, and and who knows what's behind the scenes of on on all this stuff is very is very interesting. Thank you very much, James. Thanks, Eddie. Bye.